Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they have been since 1972. Denver Rubber Company has provided molded rubber gaskets, custom contract manufacturing, custom hoses, and with the word on the weather, I heard from my wife we're supposed to get two to eight inches of snow tomorrow, so snow plows. They got you covered with snow plow blades that can be cut to any length and slotted to meet whatever your mounting specifications might be. Give them a call, let them know that DNVR sent you, and hook them up. They'll, they can buy for yourself, of course, from them, as well as bulk at a fantastic rate, depending on what you're looking for. You can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or drcfirst.com slash DNVR. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Call J.T. Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! Save me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits, my go-to place to pick up my Breckenridge Brewery 15-can sampler pack, but they also have thousands of other varieties of beer to try as well for either pickup or delivery if you are in the local area. They have locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. Go out there and give them a try today. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. The Avs just defeated... The Detroit Red Wings in Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals of 1996 to go up 2-0 in the series, taking both games inside of Joe Louis Arena to start things off. AJ, pretty impressive, no? Yeah. Um, What is it? What was the record that I posted? 36-3-2 in the regular season at home. They had lost five games at home in the regular season, and, and two of them in overtime. Oh, because ties were a thing back then. That's right, two yeah. Those were ties. So, so three losses. Three losses in the regular season at home. Two losses to the Avs in games one and two. Pretty good. That's shocking. I don't... I didn't check their... Uh, their previous series. Maybe we can look and see. On the cast, they were saying that the the road team had won over 50% of their games in the NHL during the regular season that year as well. So, I mean, obviously, Detroit just an absolute powerhouse throughout. So, let's see. All right. Because Detroit in round one beat the old Winnipeg Jets 4-2. to two. Only lost once at home. Yep. And then against... Only lost once at home. St. Louis. Okay, so in the first two games, the Avs already beat them more times at home than than anyone else that year. Pretty impressive, to be honest. Uh, Wearing my All Hail Kale shirt today obviously doesn't really apply to this game, but Sandus Ozelinch, as far as number eights on the Avs, did pick up a goal in this one. It was kind of interesting watching multiple goals in this game 
effective play from in behind the net against Chris Osgood. We've talked about, on the current abs, the only really player that has success from back there is Miko Rantanen. It was, I guess 96 was early enough where goalies hadn't quite figured everything out yet as far as sealing off posts and all of that. Even in 2001, it wasn't as clean, but clearly, especially on Osgood's side, there was a very dangerous area to, to move the puck through for the abs. Yeah. The, the defense for Detroit had some names on it. Yeah. And watching Paul Coffey get abused in this series has been really interesting. Not had a fun series on the defensive side of the puck at all. <laughs> I mean, obviously no, the own goal in game been, one, but like, throws the puck in his own net that's whatever but just getting abused and in this game i mean just gets worked yep and that ozolin goal was actually awesome yeah i mean the that setup honestly outside of patrick wah who we'll get to in a second but uh mike ricci and scott young seem to be clicking together very very well this game in the offensive zone as as the setup men and then oza lynch was the the pinching d to take advantage of that goal yeah uh they really are hammering home just the difference in the depth of of, of the forwards between 2001 and the 96 team yeah those are two of the guys that really stand out as you know sakic and forsberg were both there and then some of the some of the other places or the other of the other players kind of interchangeable in terms of their their quality. Yep. But there wasn't really an answer from the 01 team for a for a Scott Young, for a Mike Ricci. Uh those guys have those guys have devoured Detroit in this series through two games. Uh and been just a total handful for them to put up with. Pretty cleanly, to be honest with you. I Detroit just doesn't seem like they can keep up. In, in this game, there was a bit of a change of pace where Detroit seemed to be even more physical. They t- kind of took the lead on that side of the gameplay, where especially in the first period, they were really lining up yeah. the abs and, and laying some hits. And it's 96, so the abs had some response hits as well. But it it felt like Detroit was a little bit at a loss of, of how to handle that offensive pressure. Yeah, they. This has really been a punch counter punch kind of series so far, and the Avs have just gotten the better of it. Um, I think this is where you know Patrick Waugh is making the big difference. He's just straight out playing Chris Osgood, and Osgood's been solid yep. through uh, through two games. He really. It, it's not like this is a, the Osgood that's like, Meh, jokes on you. He's actually kind of bad. <laughs> he's been a, he's been solid. I mean, and they're just they're just beating him. I mean, and they're you know the overtime goal wasn't great, obviously, sure, but sure. on the whole, pretty pretty solid effort overall out of Osgood and and Waz just outplaying him. Patrick Waz well, made thirty five saves in this game. Uh, obviously, Avs got up three nothing less than halfway through, so they they pretty much put the turtle shell on after that and just locked it yeah. down. Allowed a lot of shots from Detroit, but. But Wah wasn't letting anything in, and I I don't think he had to make particularly too many extremely difficult saves, but this is 
classic wah. This is the the wah that has pampered the Avs fan base into expecting this out of every goalie ever, where they just show up and shut people out in the middle of the conference finals. Yeah, where he makes it look easy. And, you know, not having to make a lot of great saves is a testament, one, to goaltender positioning, and two, to quality defense around him. And when those are working in concert, as they typically are on Stanley Cup teams, (laughs) they become a very hard team to beat. And we're seeing that manifest itself right now with this, with this abs team, you know, these were, these are two teams. I was looking at the standings uh, this year, the, from that year. And these are clearly the two best teams in the West. By a long, long, long lot. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think that's the point that both of us kind of keep coming back to through these first two games is, yes, the Avs are clearly in the driver's seat through these two games, and and the final score of this game, the Avs looked fairly dominant. But even when these teams aren't scoring, the quality of play is just, it's outrageous. I mean, you it feels like two Stanley Cup contenders from start to finish in both of these games where it's not certainly better than the 2001 final series, better than the final series coming up in 95-96 against Florida. There there was something different about this series and the matchup. Yeah, and I keep I, – it just – I keep coming back to how much fun I'm having watching these games. Because the quality of play is so high between the two teams. Yeah. Like, the the Avs are up 2-0 in the series. You know, some of us know how the series ends. I'm trying to... Uh, we obviously know that the Avs win the series. Like, Yes. We know that part. But not everybody knows how it gets there, so I'm, I'm trying not to... Jump the gun on it a little bit, yeah. But... <sighs> I tell you... It just, they're playing some great hockey, man. And it's been a real joy to watch, especially in a world that we're living in right now that doesn't emanate tons of joy and has absolutely no no hockey. Yeah, this is as good as it gets when it comes to quality hockey. And obviously unfortunate that we can't be watching this current Avs team try to emulate that in the playoffs, but it's it's second best, I suppose. Something to that I could live with as far as if there's not going to be actual live hockey, I'll take this all day. Yeah, it's good stuff. We only have so many of these though. So we're going to, we're going to need the <laughs> come back, please. <laughs> yeah. I, I really do hope it comes back sooner than later, but uh, that will be what it will be out of our hands a little bit, unfortunately. And at least the abs have some good history to dive into, even if we do have to go deeper than this series and all of that. But for now, we'll go ahead and take our first break as it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Anytime Patrick Waugh gets a shutout, you know you pour one out for your goalie. That's just how it works. So you can pick up the Breckenridge Brewery 15-can sampler pack either from their farmhouse or by an alcohol delivery service like Drizzly. Might be pouring out a few if we keep watching Patrick Waugh games. That's all I'm saying. Their farmhouse actually has some great deals going on right now. You can pick up 
a 15 can sampler pack like I mentioned as well as get a meal so just swing by and pick up for lunch or something like that and you get five dollars off when you pick up when you use code DNVR it's a great deal long time awesome partners for us we've always loved them you can reach them at 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. to schedule your pickup Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. Going through this series, the one thing that I didn't remember, and, and I guess Joe Sackick bucked the trend a little bit in this game, scoring that first goal for the Abs, but the star forwards, Sackick and Forsberg, at least on the production side, have been relatively quiet through these first two games, despite such the high quality of play. Uh, yeah, this is depth is winning out. Yep. Which, obviously, we've talked about the depth, but I I just kind of found it interesting of this recurring theme, where much like the Devils series, yes, Sackick had a couple of big games, but. It's not what was getting this Avs team over the finish line a lot of the time. Patrick Waugh on the back end, granted, it's the superstar holding things down, but the the goal-scoring offensive stars were getting shut down well enough. Yeah, and it takes a village. You know, I I wonder how much of this perception of, like, your your big guns have to dominate in the postseason uh, is just a result of watching a Nathan McKinnon yeah. dominated team for the last several years that didn't not, have the extra pieces. Right. And not one that was more balanced. You look at this year's club versus the previous years. There's a reason this year's club is the cup contender. Yep. And the ones from the last couple of years were good teams that were destined to fall short and did fall short. Yep. And why this year's, this year's club had a different feel this year's, this year's Avs team would whoop the last couple of years Avs teams. And the, the really coming around to the idea that I like the 96 team more than the 01 team, the, the big thing is the high-end talent on defense for the 01 team right. is so good. But this the this depth forward is just so good. Despite having fewer Hall of Famers, they're so much more well-rounded. They really are, and it stands out, and it's very easy to see the difference that it's making. Because there are a lot of Hall of Famers on the other side of the ice in, in the, on that Detroit team. And Colorado's depth and a rock-solid defense that, compared to the 01 team, is more of a no-name defense. Yep. But is getting it done. Like, that 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 96 defense is so solid. Night and in and night out, yeah. Kind of reminds me of the defense that the Avs had this year in that while Kale McCart is going to be an absolute superstar was still a rookie this year was still, you know, finding his legs and figuring it out and working his way through some things. Yep. Not, I mean, obviously not quite the same as Ozilinch had been around for quite a while, but Ozilinch was only 23 for this series and was kind of the, the go-to offensive defenseman for the team. And you can really see he stands out on that defense in the way that he plays. He's always involved, always around yep. the puck, always jumping up. I I have really it has been a lot of fun. Yeah. To to watch him play your style of hockey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like 
I grew up as a defenseman who idolized Sandus Ozelinch, right? Right. And this was why. <laughs> just he just stands out on this defense. He yep. just looks like such a different animal. It's it's not the same feeling as with Makar, I would say, where people watch Makar and just go, "That guy is special." But in an era where every defenseman was taught stay back, clutch and grab, shoot from the point, don't you know overcommit and don't get caught all the time, he was the polar opposite of of what the league was trending toward. And obviously, there were plenty of quality offensive defensemen, Paul Coffey, in this series. Uh, Ray Bork around the league as well, but something that has become a regularity in the league is that Ozilinch type of player, especially creeping in on the back door or, or sneaking down in deep into the zone. Nick Holden in years past was fantastic at doing this for the Avs. We've seen Ryan Graves do it quite a bit on the this current modern Avs team. High IQ. Yep, and... It's it feels a little bit more normal now. When a defenseman does that in 2020, you go, all right, nice pinch, cool. When Ozilinch was doing that in 95, 95, 96, I know my father hated him. He he was always angry at him for being wildly out of position. But it produced goals also. He definitely was at times. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was an adventure at times, but. You can see you can see the positives when he's pushing. Uh, it's it's very easy to see why he was a difference maker for that blue line, because he just he just changes their personality and yep. the goal that he scored where he pinches down. I if you watch the replay of it and watching him find and create the space that he worked his way into was so cool. Yep. Because it wasn't like he just went to an open space, put a stick down, and banged it home. He had to outwork two guys to do it. And that's not really the reputation you think of when you think of Sandus Ozelinch. You think offensive guy, but you don't think of anything physicality related. You don't think of, you know, working hard to, to move guys out of space. It's all elusiveness, you know, and vision and... Uh, he just outworked two guys to to create the opening that he was in when he got that centering feed and put it home, and that was awesome. There was it really was it was it was very good. I have no thoughts whatsoever on the Warren Reichel goal because I barely saw it. it yeah, looked like the Denmark goal where he's just skating really hard towards the net, the puck hits something and goes in, and they celebrate, and it was like cool, nice, hard working goal. Fun fact, uh, Warren Reichel's only goal of these playoffs. Only point, in fact. Take it. Yep. You, you get what you can when you can. Um, we actually forgot to talk about this in game one. Still relevant, though. There were three future NHL GMs playing in this series. Obviously, Joe Sackick on the Av side. And then for the Red Wings, you had Steve Eiserman and which people know, but the surprising one was Mark Bergevin playing for this Red Wings team as well. Yep. So a lot of uh, career guys who always stick around hockey, I suppose. Well, it just goes, and you, the number of scouts from this game, you know. Oh, yeah. You get into those, and it, like, almost everybody was involved in some way or another, right? Right. Like, that's the thing, is that these guys, these guys, their careers end, and this is, this is, these are the guys who fill up hockey ranks. Yep. They're all guys who played. 
at a high level somewhere. Yeah. It's why it's why you get that. Ooh, you didn't even play the game. Yeah. Like, because I didn't I didn't play junior in Canada, like or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's it's that's where it comes from, is because that's how that's how teams fill out their steps. They, they you just look at this game and it's like, wow, lots of lots of Hall of Fame guys, but whoo. There's a lot of assistants, a lot yeah. of coaches, and a lot of front office yeah. guys. Yep. Dead Marsh on there. Forsberg, obviously, major player in the, the Swedish league for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, wasn't he GM of, of a team for a while? Yeah, that got dropped down to the second tier, and then he quit immediately yeah, after, and, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he got relegated, and he just was like, "That is, I Peter Forsberg doesn't get relegated. <laughs> So he still liked to win. Yeah. Very, very competitive always Forsberg was. Um, yeah. Yeah. And on both sides, though, to be fair, I mean, I his who all Lidstrom obviously went on to play for forever. But uh, throughout the, the Detroit side, that was a team, I guess they were. How far into their streak were they in 96? This was the beginning of it. The very first, like first couple of years, yeah. Yeah, this was this was the this was the uh, the ninety four ninety five. I think was really like the true start of it. So so, so second year, year or something like that, yeah. So very very early on, they this twenty five year playoff streak team was uh, started strong. And yeah, Lidstrom. I mean, obviously a easy hall of famer and all that but yeah this was a really young Lidstrom though yeah he was 25 I think so had plenty of time to go as a 30 year old Iserman was really still the leader of the team at that point yeah and this was the Iserman uh, can he ever win the big game right yeah you know, because I think it was either after this series or the year before where he almost got traded mm-hmm. to Ottawa. Where they tried to trade him and they had a deal in place and then I don't remember it how it all fell apart, apart or whatever. Yeah, Infamously, like Detroit was like, we can't win with him and tried to move him. And then, you know, it worked out pretty well keeping it. Then so. that, yeah, they retired the C from that side of the jersey. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Which is a weird tradition, by the way. What like, are, does any other team have anything like that? I couldn't tell you. Okay, I I don't know tiny details of other franchises. I I don't know why you would. It's such a weirdly specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Honestly, I just don't know, man. But yeah, just that's one of those things where you hear it and you're like, that is super weird. So. Well, it's it's kind of like the other day. Uh, I I had. I don't remember what I was listening to. They were talking about Miko Cuevu as the only uh, permanent captain in wild history. Yeah. And I had completely forgotten that the first however many years they rotated C's. Yep. It was th- they had like uh, four or five players that would wear it. Yeah. They had like the leadership group where it yeah. would rotate around and it was like, why? This is weird. Why not just not have a C at all at that point? 
I I guess that's personal preference, but for me, like with what Vegas did, where no one had the C kind of a thing. Yeah. But up to you, um, AJ. I'm going to ask you a question here b- before we jump into the break because I'm going to give you some time to think about this one. Okay. The top of the list is very, very easy for the number one rivalry all time for the Avs. Obviously, the Detroit Red Wings. Mm. But if you had to go down that list and say, we'll say a top five, if you can't name that many, it's fine. But I imagine you'll be able to with some thought. Who are the best rivals for the Avs all time? And before we jump into that, got to let you guys know, if you're a rival of the Avs, be careful out there because they do not use the Manscaped trimmer when they come at you. No, they're coming at you square in the jock, hard and fast with whatever they have, hockey sticks, hockey pucks. They'll just check you right in the gonads if they have to. Be careful out there. Don't go that route. Go with Manscaped and take care of your family jewels with their new Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, as well as their entire manscaping package, which includes the Crop Preserver, their anti-chafing deodorant, and their Crop Reviver, a ball toner and refresher made to give you a little bit more pep in your step. You can get all of this and more in a package, and you can use code DNVR20. For 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com, do yourself a favor and use the right tools for the job. I see AJ's got his thinking face on over there, really thinking hard about this one. I know I put him on the spot a little bit. Uh, It's a a hard question to answer, but it had come up a little bit. The the modern one, the closest one, is is probably Minnesota, right? But I don't know where that falls. I think that's an easy number two. You think so? That high? Yeah, they've had three playoff series. Uh, they ended Patrick Waugh's career. Yeah. Um, the heartbreak know, of had... Game 7 and 13-14, yeah. Exactly. It, the, the the comeback that they had to, that might have taken another cup from the Avs. Yep. You never really know. You know, when they came back from, uh, what was that? I think, 3-1. Yeah. To win that series uh, where Brunette scored the game winner and ended up. Overtime, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously the Cook Berry thing in yep. that playoff series. I mean, that whole that series was was really pretty amazing. Games. Yeah, um, yeah, it was really. Uh, I think I think Minnesota is easily easily number two. Um, three, I'm gonna put Dallas. Yeah, a lot of wars in the '90s, back to back playoff series there. Um. Pretty good games these days too. Yeah, not quite the same heat and No, certainly well, not. And not until not until you really get a playoff series or you're playing for something. This year would have, I think, been the beginning of a potential uh renewed rivalry between them. But obviously we didn't get that. But I, I like Dallas at three because there's not really a lot of it's just so hard to place those old ones in the 90s and early 2000s as well, right? Because Detroit was so much higher than everyone else on that list. Yeah, and, that... and really, like, I think four, I'll probably put Vancouver because they have played a number of times in the postseason. Yep. Uh, Vancouver also ended their uh, ended their division title streak, I believe. Had some heated games back in the Patrick division or whatever it Obviously, was. Yeah, the right. Kind of adds permanent fire to that. And now yep. we have we have Hughes and McCarr. 
yeah, to kind of keep true. alive. I think I think Vancouver at four uh, is a good one because uh, they, there's just sort of they just seem to find each other uh, in in rivalry type situations. I and I have a personal vendetta with Vancouver as well because there was like a eight to nine year streak of me going to Abs versus Canucks games that the Abs lost every single one. During the Sedin heyday? Yeah, with Luongo in net. Dude, Luongo dominated the abs in his career. Yep. I I feel confident that when I look up his splits right now, just to just to confirm this, that, <laughs> that it's going to be ugly he, against the abs. Will, it, it will not be entirely anecdotal, but he will have had quite a bit of success against the Avalanche. I, I 100% support this take as he looks it eh. up. And uh, we're wrong as usual. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> Forty six games played, and he he had a five hundred record. He went twenty three, eighteen, and five. Yeah, so at least like half of those wins came when I was in the building. So <laughs> yeah, I would love to know what the Luongo record is just when he played for Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. Because that was when he was obviously a Hall of Fame goaltender. Yep. Uh, he was exceptional. In his time in Vancouver, you know the the Florida experiment. Eh. Yeah, both the first time there and the uh, and the end of his career is kind of meh. All that part of the uh, the Claude Lemieux trade tree, by the way. So, is there a fifteen for you? Not really. Honestly, I barely even count Vancouver. I would, uh, I would, I would say St. Louis is probably there. Coming for the future. Yeah, because when you consider the history, their, their best is, uh, some of their best teams got stopped in the West by the abs being there. Yeah. Uh, certainly that 2001 team that they had was very good. Yeah. And they went hard at the deadline in getting Kachuk. And the abs kind of kind of dismissed them, the, honestly. The Blues were kind of the the little brother in, in the West and in that division for a long time with the powerhouses of yeah. Dallas, Detroit, Colorado. And then St. Louis was there. I mean, you had Chris Pronger and yep. you had guys like Chris Pronger and Keith Kachuk and Wayne Gretzky and uh, Al McInnes, like a ton of talent filtered through St. Louis because St. Louis has kind of really always been good. They've never really bottomed out. They've always been competitive. And then we're seeing it again now. Um, I th- And I think this is why I have them at five is that it's sort of like a rise of, of it again as the two, they're the two top teams right now in the central and they should be for the next couple of years. And you always have that added, uh, the added fire of the O'Reilly thing, right? The so, attachments for sure. I would also have the Ducks somewhere in there, and I only say that because there's just such a genuine dislike of the Ducks from the, as, from current Avs players. Honestly, especially in the the Kessler Perry era, almost every team I think has the Ducks like somewhere around their list. <laughs> But because it was just so easy to hate those players on that team if you weren't rooting for them. So 
uh, yeah, I I could see that a little bit. Uh, but I mean, that's that's kind of something that has been a bit missing. Like the Minnesota ri- rivalry was heated, but it never quite became what it could have been because the Avs fell off the cliff after that 13-14 year. And and Minnesota stagnated. So yeah. it it didn't quite reach the heights of approaching a Detroit or anything like that. So Yeah, the big thing with Detroit Colorado was they were both history, so good. It was yeah. Western Conference Finals, Western Conference yep. Finals, Western Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals. Like you're it's not like when St. or not St. Louis. It's not like when uh, Chicago was beating Minnesota in the first round every year. Right. Or the second round every year where it was like okay, like that team's just better than you and they're just in your way. Yeah, that's <laughs> there has to be some parity between yeah. the teams for it to really be a rivalry. When you're talking about playing for the Stanley Cup on a regular basis, those two teams. That was the difference. That and just the overall talent, like two teams having an all-time great stretch, uh, and and constantly running into each other in the conference finals, like that's the last team in your way before you go to the Cup Finals. Yep, and as we've and talked about, did not lose once they got there. Yeah, and in that era, it was the conference finals of the West was playing for the Cup Finals, essentially. And it was two of the greatest hockey teams ever to to grace the ice, in my opinion. So absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you just look at the talent involved yep. in this. So I mean, and this is before Brendan Shanahan even showed up to. And you know where Brendan Shanahan was? St. Louis. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway. I guess it's about time we got out of here. Only last thing, as Colors says in the chat, Frick Darren McCarty is the the last word for these Red Wings. We're going to get out of here yeah. for the day, unless you have anything final to say, AJ. No, I'm just glad that uh, I made it through this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to bed immediately. Oh, boy. Plenty more Avs Wings games coming up. Game three will be on Friday, 6 p.m. Y'all know the drill. We will see you there. Until then, talk to y'all tomorrow. Strawbercraft Coffee is a rich CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig, whole bean, or ground, whichever desire you have. You can get 20% off when you use code DNVR20 and give Strava a tag over on Twitter just to show some support for us and for them. It's been known to help long-term migraines, decrease anxiety, help with arthritis, IBS, other aches and pains, and the CBD is not psychoactive. Just remember to get that 20% off with the DNVR20 code. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with Hayfully and Rudo. DNVR Avalanche with AJ Hayfully.